You are now listening to The Perfect Prana with Kaya Ann. What's poppin'? What's good? You're listening to The Perfect Prana Show, and I am Kaya Ann, a new yoga instructor on the Chicago scene, and your host, and a college student. If you like yoga, this is the perfect place to be. And if you do not like yoga, then you're in for a treat. (laughs) I have the usual rundown, a special guest, some yoga news, the weekly wellness challenge. I'm actually gonna switch the order of the show because I wanna hear from the special guest first because she is amazing. We're gonna switch the flow, nothing wrong with that. But before we get into all of that, one thing we're not switching is the fact that I need to center myself first. I'm inviting you to center with me. No matter where you're at, you could be at the park, you could be in your car, you could be in your bed, you could be sitting on your couch, on the floor, you could be in space. That would be pretty cool if you were, but you are in space. (laughs) You could be dancing, you could be, you could be on your mat for all I know. You could be, there's so many possibilities. I don't know where you could be, but let's center ourselves. Let's rein it all in. Look at your feet. Maybe you're wearing shoes or socks or maybe you're barefoot. Give your little your toes a little wiggle. Then look at your hands. Maybe you have on gloves. Maybe your hands are just out and exposed. Maybe you have on rings, jewelry. Just wiggle your fingers. Can actually feel your fingers. Touch your thumb to your index, then your your middle finger, your ring finger, and your pinky. If it's safe for you to do so, just really feel your fingers. Then wiggle your toes at the same time. And just gather awareness of your entire body. Just notice what things feel like. If you're wearing clothes, what does the fabric feel like on your skin? Or if you have a blanket covering you, what do the shoes feel like on your feet? Are your toes cold? (laughs) Or are your toes just a little sweaty? (laughs) And just notice what your body feels like, all the sensations. What do you taste? What do you smell? What do you see? Roll your shoulders up and back. Bring your shoulder blades closer to each other, opening up your heart. Take a deep inhale through your nose and let your belly expand. Hold at the top and then exhale through your nose pulling your belly button toward your spine and just keep breathing and focusing on that prana prana translating to breath breath of life our energy source many many translations the prana is perfect perfect as it is perfect right now It's a gift. (sighs) Sometimes in my class, a lot of people just start yawning. You know, as soon as I start cueing us through breath and all that jazz, everybody just starts yawning. I like that. I think that's a good thing. (laughs) Yawning sometimes is a sign that maybe you're a little sleepy but sometimes it's a sign that your vocal cords are relaxed. And I remember that from my choir days, 
we would get in choir class and (laughs) everybody just started yawning after doing all these singing and breathing exercises so that's just something that always stuck with me maybe like it's a good sign you're you're breathing correctly if you if you yawn and I was like okay (laughs) I guess there's really no wrong way to breathe as long as you're doing it (laughs) I always say though that yoga taught me how to breathe let's just get straight into the show yoga heals I'm here with Dr. Michaela Turner what did you study Well, I got my doctorate degree in organizational leadership psychology. And then I was studying mostly families and yoga and mindfulness, which is the goal of yoga. And so I, I framed the family as an organization. And then I invented a whole bunch of, I call them the MIBITs, the mindfulness-based intervention tools that people can make out of recycled material to redirect the children because instructions don't come with our babies but if they did they would say in more of a warning they do what you do and not what you say you know so when did you start practicing yoga and why do you still practice yoga So I started practicing yoga in 1995. And I continued a twice weekly or once weekly practice until about 2005, where I actually went out of the house and then did it. And what I, what I came to was that we do yoga every single day. We do it in our mudras, which is finger yoga. We become aware of our breath. That's yoga, pranayama. Uh, just standing up straight. I realized that it's not necessarily the poses, but it's our being awake and aware when we're doing it, which is the whole reason for yoga, to prepare the body, mind, and spirit for mindfulness or enlightenment. We are one with everything, and it's all ordinary. I asked this question on one of my old shows, though, but do you think, is yoga just an experience that is specific to humans or can do you think animals can practice yoga well i think animals do practice yoga and we form our poses after the animals like downward dog and upward dog and the eagle pose other poses i'm thinking of the lion pose the thing is is that um is that I think animals are always in the present moment. And doing the practice of yoga is all about getting us in the present moment and in our bodies. So yeah, I think I think all, all other species practice yoga. When we're thinking, we're not being mindful. When we're being mindful, we're not thinking. So just to give you an experience, and I was really happy you used the word experience. Yoga is the experience. That is what mindfulness is all about. So you don't have to change your posture or anything. You just become aware of where your body is in space, how you're sitting on the chair, how your mouth is close to the microphone, and just become aware of what you see, hear, taste, touch, and smell right now. Yeah. (laughs) And notice that you didn't have one thought. It's just checking in. Where am I? And and if you if we do that, if you do that 10 times a day, your life is going to change. And that's what yoga is all about. Just being in the moment. I know you've been doing this a long time and you've probably seen it all. So when somebody comes in to your class or just comes to you in general with a mental 
health issue or like some type of disorder. They're like, hey, I have this or I have that. And I want to use yoga to help me with this or that. What are the steps that you go through to support their issues? That's a really great question. And the first thing I would do if if I if the person actually had a diagnosis from a psychiatrist, a psychologist, an MD, a naturopath, a chiropractor, I would get a note from the doctor, first of all, that they are able to do it and what are they able to do? So as far as flexibility and then whether or not they can do the inversions, because children with Down syndrome are not supposed to do the inverted poses. And then um, once I find out what it is they can do, then I look specifically at what it is they're trying to accomplish. Are they trying to just stay in their bodies and not go into their minds thinking all the time? Are they trying to balance their brains so that they can study and research? Or are they strengthening their bodies? Are they trying to become more intuitive? So that would really determine the types of yoga and how I would go about it with them. How do you personally deal with your mental health now? Because I don't think it's possible for everybody to like always be 100% good, you know? Right. You know, it's so interesting that before I got certified and I thought I knew a little bit about yoga and people would be under stress and, and under the gun for a timeline to be finished. And I would tell them, just do yoga, just do yoga. And they were too busy for yoga. And now I understand. Now I understand that some people, it's necessary to generate that amount of concentration just to keep on going and to stop certain times would be detrimental. At other times, it's the perfect thing to do to bring us down to uh, complete stillness before we get going again. So um, how I have practiced yoga, so I sort of referenced the, the stress in my life, um, and that was toward the end of the year. But sometimes the body just does it for us. If we're just completely still and our mind goes blank, that's kind of the body's own way of doing yoga, coming to stillness and being mindful. And also, OM, the M, the M sound, they did research on that. The vagus nerve, I'm going to talk about that. The vagus nerve is actually a bundle of nerves. It's the 10th cranial nerve that comes up behind the stomach and to the diaphragm and then behind the heart, and then it splits and goes up to the ears and then to the brain. So deep diaphragmatic breathing can stimulate the vagus nerve. Also, mm, you're, you're actually stimulating the auricular branches at the ear. So you're, bal you're, you're balancing the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. You know, one that ramps you up, that has you reacting autonomically in, in fight or flight, and then the parasympathetic nervous system that says, okay, we're going to bring all this down now to stasis. And so that's why OM is so effective. Thank you so much. I'm going to carry that with me to my next practice. I love these interviews because I sometimes will take, because it's been all yoga instructors at this point, so I'll take um, just information uh, in 
it'll inspire me for like my next class. Be like, hmm, yeah. my practice. Is there anything that you make sure to do every single practice when you're teaching? Well, you know, I've been COVID closed since 2020. And then the classes really, the children's classes never really picked up. And I've moved on to something else. So I can't really say about the present, but what I do, I make sure I do in every single class is use the MIBITS, the mindfulness-based intervention tools, because I'm modeling it for the parents, the moms and dads that are in there doing yoga with their children, and then also demonstrating to them that often before we redirect the children, we have to redirect ourselves. And so placing cues in the environment that just remind us to take a breath or, or be still and get into our bodies, it's really all about reminders. So that's what I, I do in every class. And then for your own personal practice, what's something you make sure to do like for yourself? Oh, always meditating. Meditate at least twice a day. And sometimes I do it open-eyed to just get into that meditative state without closing my eyes. Um, checking in, becoming aware of what I see, hear, taste, touch, smell. And then where my body is in space, proprioception. And then interoception, what I'm feeling on the inside with my organs, what's going on there. And then um, what else do I do? Stretching. I call it bed yoga. I do all my yoga before I get out of bed. <laughs> my yoga posing. Uh -huh. Get all the stretching done and, and uh, the poses. You know, if you're doing the poses lying down, they have the same benefit on the body as when doing them standing up. Yoga is not exercise. People in the West, they like to associate it with exercise and they, they, their egos get a real boost because of the great shape that they're in and the things that they can do with their strength. However, um, it's so powerful in getting the energy moving and, and it could even stimulate the kundalini such that because we are multidimensional beings. This third dimensional reality doesn't like to acknowledge that, but we're beginning to see, especially with quantum physics, is that we are in multiple dimensions at once. Yoga is not about putting ourselves into pretzels. The eightfold path of yoga, it's, it's eight different paths, and pranayama, the awareness of the breath, is one of them. And then following an inner direction, really paying attention to what's going on on the inside of the body, and then the ability to concentrate, to hold the focus. That is a path of yoga. And then meditation, where you don't necessarily go into an altered state, but you watch the thoughts and go in between the thoughts. And then the universal commandments, the yamas, uh, kindness, honesty, harmlessness, self-control, and conservation. And then the nayamas, the personal disciplines, innocent perception. Like just assume that nobody means you any harm. Just assume everybody's harmless until they've given you a reason to not think that. And then being content capable of long-suffering, introspection, and faith. And then we have the poses, which prepare the body for the ability to um, intake the breath and be oxygenated, and then to really concentrate and practice all of that behavior. And it leads to being perfectly aware of everything at the same time, like being aware of everything and nothing at once. That's the enlightenment or the mindfulness. I sort of use those terms interchangeably. 
as one teacher to another, telling you this right now, you have an awareness of the students in your class and you might get an inkling that says, this student should not do this pose. Then you say, you no do, like my, <laughs> like my uh, Tibetan yoga teacher used to say, you no do, sit, sit. Because not everybody can. And so trust your own intuition that says, this person should sit down during this pose. This person should lie down. Don't do it like other people are doing it. Because you, you are learning and your intuition is, is acting on you and all you have to do is trust it. And that's the confidence that you're looking for because hindsight will do its job and let you know why later you felt that, why you told that person that they had to sit up. You'll find out later why you said that. Well, thank you so much. I that in mind as I continue teaching classes. Before we go, do you have a website or where can we find you at? Well, you can find me on YouTube at the Yoga Yoga Files, all one word. And then also on Facebook, I have a group, The Yoga Yoga Files as well. So I'm highlighting MIBITS, the mindfulness-based intervention tools for people, teachers, parents, anybody to use them to redirect themselves first to mindfulness before they redirect anybody else. Before we go, as a yoga instructor, could you lead us through a quick pranayama? Just cue us since this is the perfect prana. Oh, yes, yes. You know, it's interesting that whenever anybody says the word breath or breathe, we instantly take a breath, almost as if that's contagious. And then if you're trying to center the room and people are taking deep breaths right now as we go through this, before you try and center any room, whether it's a business meeting or a family meeting or in the classroom or even on the radio show, just take a deep breath and everyone else will take a deep breath too. And that just settles everything in. I think it's interesting that taking a breath is called inspire or inspiration. And exhaling is expire or expiration. So it's almost as if we're, we're, we're living and dying in every moment with every breath. Inspire and expire. So we'll just end it with a breath because and for the body, isn't it interesting that seven seconds is a long time and you can get centered and meditative and mindful, mindful in that seven seconds. You don't need an hour. You don't need a class. Thank you so much, Dr. Michaela. Namaste. Namaste or meow namaste. What I used to say to you, meow namaste. Yoga news. Here is the news story, I guess. <laughs> it's Mental Health Awareness Day. Well, actually, it was yesterday on October 10th. Now it's October 11th when I'm recording. And the first week of October was Mental Health Awareness Week. But we're still in the beginning of October and it's never a bad day, week, month, year, whatever, to be aware of mental health. Before I really get into this section of the episode, trigger warning, I will be discussing mental health. I will be discussing disorders, etc. Everybody gets sick. Everybody has experienced some type of 
physical sickness, like it could be a cold, it could be the, the flu, and everybody's also probably experienced some mental sickness or some mental illness. And there's different degrees to it. While some may have dealt with a cold and a flu, others might deal with something chronic. And the same could be said for mental illness. Is yoga, I consider it to be a practice that promotes good health, but there are other practices that promote good health as well. I mean, I just wholeheartedly believe it will increase the quality of my life and the quality of others' lives. That doesn't mean <laughs> that this is the only treatment. Don't stop your treatment plan in the name of yoga and then in, and in the name of holistic healing. Whatever you are doing that is keeping you as healthy as possible, mentally and physically, please keep doing that. As long as it's working for you, there's certain practices that I do and ways that I operate in my life that work for me, but it's not one size fits all. I empathize and I relate to so many people that are struggling with their mental health. On my last episode, Kawaii, or AKA She Heals, she admitted that she battles with anxiety. And I'm quoting that. <laughs> I thought that that was a very impactful statement that she battles with anxiety. And she made a point to say it. It's not something that I have. It's something that I battle. And some days I win. And I thought that that was so beautiful and just something to really keep in mind when dealing with whatever illness, physical or mental. And I feel that's something that helps me is to separate myself from my condition because my condition is changing always and nothing ever stays the same everything changes sometimes for the better sometimes for the worse but everything changes except the past unless you have like a time machine and you're like in back to the future or something <laughs> but that's something that i have learned as i've gone through life generally anxiety is the most commonly diagnosed mental health condition in the U.S. affecting over 42 million adults. Everybody is anxious and I'm sure that events like the pandemic and such have raised the amount of anxiety going around. COVID was not the only thing going around anxiety was going around too. <laughs> OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorders, etc. There's a lot that falls under the anxiety umbrella. Some people may experience anxiety or the feeling of being anxious and maybe that's like having a cold, but then other people might experience anxiety chronically. But anxiety is a feeling of fear, dread, uneasiness, worry, or fear that is strong enough to interfere with one's daily life. Symptoms could be physical, like sweating, rapid heartbeat, restlessness. It could be difficulty sleeping, stomach aches, muscle aches, fatigue, etc. And since this is a mental health conversation, I kind of wanted to bring in the conversation about chakras or chakras. I, I don't know how I pronounce it chakras. I've heard people say chakra. I found 
the chakra section of my teacher training so interesting i'm not a chakra expert by any means but i feel like i understand the basics of it and i'm so glad that i spoke with dr michaela before recording because she opened my eyes to a few points chakras are basically the point in our body that contain energy. It's not something that you can necessarily see with your eyes. These points of energy in our body affect our physical well-being and our mental well-being as well. So yeah, each chakra has different sounds, colors, essential oils, foods to keep them balanced even postures and movements and that is why i was like i'm gonna bring this into the mental health conversation to talk about yoga postures for different mental health disparities but again it's not one size fits all and it's not something that's going to absolutely just cure you (laughs) it might take a lot of work a lot of different practices to bring you back to balance. Some conditions might never fully go away and different practices help that condition. It's just something that you learn to live with. The condition may improve, uh, but maybe it's something you'll never be without. I don't know. It's just, it's different for everybody. And that's something I have to remember and empathize with. Sometimes it's a constant battle, and that's okay. But I always think it's good to try and to stay open. And and something's better than nothing. There's certain conditions that I might have to deal with for the rest of my life, but it's better that I do practices to support this condition, improve it, than to do nothing at all and maybe even make it worse let's 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 get on with the chakra talk of course i did a brief review of anxiety disorder what it entails and then i also did a a brief review of the chakras i went through some of my notes from ytt and then i also looked up some stuff so i'm barely going to scratch the surface with some of this stuff. The first chakra that I thought of was Muladhara. I hope that I'm not butchering the pronunciation, but look, I have an American westernized accent and that's just what it is. (laughs) Root chakra. This is the base chakra related to our basic needs, where we belong, having community, and it's all about basic needs. The root chakra, the body parts for it, is colon, spine, and legs. It's the base. But this is the first chakra I thought of for anxiety disorders. Kind of if you had some of your basic needs threatened, or you felt unsafe at a certain point that might cause anxiety. Am I going to have enough? How am I going to pay for this? I'm in a dangerous situation. A posture that I would do if I wanted to balance my root chakra would be child's pose because this posture makes me feel safe. You can come into tabletop position, spread your knees wide, maybe about the width of a mat, touch your big toes together and send your hips back to rest on your feet. And then let your forehead touch the ground or the mat or wherever you're practicing it. And, And what really, what I like to do is bring my arms by my side instead of sending them out in front of me because that adds an extra element of safety to me. It's like creating a little nest for myself and it kind of blocks out the world from my view and I'm just with myself 
and I like how that feels. So that's the pose if I am ever anxious, even when I'm teaching my classes, <laughs> I always lead them back to child's pose. And sometimes I do that when I need a moment to gather myself. Like, like when I get stage fright, you know? <laughs> I've struggled with stage fright so, so, so bad in my lifetime. I've gone through so many experiences and singing was my thing. Like I thought that I was going to grow up and be Beyonce. <laughs> but um, I decided that I'm gonna grow up and be Kaya instead. <laughs> there was a point where I went through so many embarrassing experiences and I felt a lot of shame and where my confidence was just killed and when I'm teaching and I start to feel like that, I'll send them back to child's pose to gather myself so they're not all looking at me like, what do we do next? <laughs> For anxiety, Mani Pura chakra kept coming up whenever I was researching the chakras related to anxiety, which is the solar plexus chakra it's kind of in the center it's our stomach our liver intestines pancreas when i was researching chakras related to anxiety this solar plexus chakra kept coming up and i kind of it kind of made sense because the body part is the stomach and sometimes you have a bad feeling in your gut when you're anxious <laughs> but sometimes that's warranted and sometimes it's fear we develop that for a reason because that keeps us alive sometimes sometimes we should be scared of certain things like if i see a giant bear and i love bears <laughs> but if i do see one in person i'm probably gonna get really anxious and i'm gonna have a feeling in my gut and be like, oh my gosh, what the actual, yeah, we do need that. But sometimes it is unwarranted and out of control. Even till this day, if something is really giving me bad anxiety, I will feel it in my stomach because our mental health really does affect our physical health and vice versa. So if I wanted to bring my solar plexus chakra into balance, I would do twisting movements, twisting of my spine. And I like to do these sometimes after I eat or if I might have like a tummy ache or something because it always just makes my tummy feel good. In an easy seat, Sukhasana, just sitting down on my mat or the floor, even I could do this in a chair, just twisting my spine from one side to the other. I learned that twist good for wringing out our organs. So I could imagine that it really moves waste through us. But it just depends on, on what one is dealing with for what would be the best recommendation for them. Also, when I thought of this, anxiety disorder what came to my mind is throat chakra and i just told that little story about how i dealt with stage fright i might have been experiencing blockages in my throat chakra as i was having so much anxiety anxiety from singing in front of people and i've always been about the throat chakra because my throat has been my biggest strength in my life but also my biggest weakness if i get a sickness anywhere first it usually starts in my throat which what i would do for the throat chakra cat cows that's something i thought of because and i don't know the sanskrit for cat cows but as i sink my belly to the floor in tabletop position i really open up my heart and i also open up my throat as well like having a nice stretch in my throat and it's a nice pairing tell me a better combination i'll wait 
<laughs> you can't tell me a better combination because cat cow like so any type of movement or posture that involves neck stretches for me is beneficial for my throat dr michaela reminded me of chanting which i want to include in my next class that i teach but she reminded me of chanting and the power of om something about our vocal cords or vibrating like that like mm, i can't remember the whole spiel that she gave me or there's a specific sound for the throat chakra which is hum which is very similar to om but it's hum instead so maybe the hum that whole chant i'm gonna keep that in mind next time i feel like my throat chakra is out of balance which i'm very prone to sickness in my throat i've struggled at points in my life singing in front of people but not only singing but with communication as well of speaking up for myself communicating clearly my wants and needs and desires concerns and then also with listening i've struggled with listening depression 21 million u.s adults are living with depression i believe depression to be under the category of mood disorder which depression is persistent sadness and lack of interest or pleasure in previously rewarding or enjoyable activities the symptoms can be changes in sleep, appetite, energy level, daily behavior, self-esteem, maybe there's thoughts of self-harm, maybe experiencing excess sleep or restlessness or insomnia, weight gain or loss, ruminating thoughts. That doesn't even scratch the surface of all the symptoms of depression. I have experienced depression myself, and I'm sure everybody has, but again, there's just different degrees of it, and there's different symptoms that come with it, and different causes, and I've also witnessed people go through depression as well, and it's not fun. I'm sure you know that it's not fun. <laughs> Some of the same chakras were coming up and it's going to be a lot of repeats and whatnot and one chakra being imbalanced can affect the other. We could have one illness that causes another illness. It's just a chain reaction between all of these imbalances that we experience. Chakras that kept coming up for this though solar plexus chakra which i was just talking about the manipura chakra to bring this chakra into balance i do a lot of twisting movements the body part for the chakra is our organs like you know our stomach liver intestines pancreas and it's good to twist these around and wring them out but then also doing a lot of postures that build heat in our core would be beneficial because maybe if you're experiencing depression then it might be hard to do basic tasks and then you might be like girl if i'm experiencing depression i'm not about to get out of bed and start doing a plank well okay whatever <laughs> it's our fire it's our get up and go take action doing planks and, and movements that promote me using my core, it builds confidence and it's the part of the practice when I know I'm like, okay, I'm in this. I'm really doing this. <laughs> I'm really feeling this, you know? <laughs> but I actually saw something interesting and in saying if you um, are like in a manic state, like for inference with bipolar disorder, then doing a super fast paced active flow might not be the best for battling a manic state. Again, that's why I said it's good to keep in mind that like it's not one size fits all and 
to balance your chakras, that's like a journey that one would just have to take themselves and really do the research for their condition to figure out like, this is safe for me to do. This is supportive for the struggles that I'm dealing with. As I was researching depression and chakras, one that came to mind was Sahasada Chakra, Crown Chakra. This is the central nervous system. When there's imbalances in this chakra, something's a common feeling is isolated and lonely. Those are things that you might experience with depression. Crown Chakra allows you to feel connected to everything and everyone. And sometimes with depression, you might feel really disconnected. Postures I would do to balance my crown chakra, Vrikshasana, or tree pose. It could be this pose or simply like Tadasana. Anything that allows there to be a nice line of energy from your tailbone all the way to the crown of your head, I feel like is beneficial for depression. Even when I hear depression, I just automatically want to slump over and just slouch and I feel like, ugh. Sitting up straight all the way from my tailbone to the crown of my head, I feel like that's an attitude changer. It makes me show up differently. Really tree pose because it's a balancing pose and I feel like balancing forces me to be more present in my body because I have to focus on balancing. Like, okay, again, you're really in this. <laughs> and for tree pose, I would just root one foot into the ground and float my other leg up and turn my other leg's hip out and place my foot at my ankle or on my thigh or shin or wherever I can, sending my arms out to the side of me or to center or above my head as if I'm holding an imaginary block. A posture I would do if I'm dealing with depression and I'm trying to balance the crown chakra, Sahasada chakra, Shavasana, corpse pose. Simply because maybe if you're depressed and you feel stuck and you just need to lay there, give into that intuition that your body knows what you need to bring you back to balance. That sometimes you just need to lay there and that's okay. That's yoga too. It is yoga. It's a part of yoga. What do you intuitively want to do? And maybe you want to do that for a reason. And that was kind of the point that Dr. Michaela was making. If some people are struggling with certain mental conditions and maybe they're really out of their bodies and really in their head, maybe that's for a reason. Maybe for that time, they need to stay out of their bodies and in their head to help them keep living and to keep going. And that's bringing them back to balance. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. There are 12 million US adults living with post-traumatic stress disorder. This condition is difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. The symptoms include anxiety, flashbacks, insomnia, nightmares, depression, self-destructive behavior, social isolation. The chakras that kept coming up as I was researching, sacral chakra, swadishtana, but this chakra is all about our pleasure, creativity, sexuality, emotions, inspiration, passion, needs. So yeah, all that, all that good stuff. This chakra is our reproductive organ, so it's right 
right above the root chakra. This chakra came to mind for PTSD because something that I hear a lot is that we hold a lot of trauma in our hips, especially if one is dealing with any type of like sexual trauma from like abuse of some sort. If I was dealing with PTSD, depending on the type, we hold trauma in different types of, in different parts of our body. And I've come to recognize that. So that's why I really love the cue to roll, roll your shoulders up and back and then to drop your shoulders a little bit further from your ears because I don't you know sometimes realize like man I'm really walking with my shoulders all wound up like you know holding holding tension there you got the weight of the world on your shoulders it's crazy um I digress back to the sacral chakra if I needed to balance the chakra a movement I would do is just a lot of hip opening movements of course child's pose or balasana because that i like how that feels on my hips i always come back to child's pose throughout a practice because it feels different each time i'll notice that hmm, my hips are a little bit tighter and then by the end of the practice when i come to this pose it's like i'm really deep in this posture and it just it feels amazing like my hips really opened up. I just love how that feels. Malasana, that's one. I mentioned this on my last episode for running. People say it's a timeout pose. Great hip opener and good to balance the sacral chakra and definitely just depending on what you're dealing with, if it's overactive or underactive. Anahata, the heart chakra. Yeah, this came up when I was looking at PTSD on the interwebs, I could see how that happens because, you know, it's the heart. So it's all about love. Losing a loved one could be and probably is just traumatic. So I could see how that can be imbalanced if you are dealing with PTSD but honestly any of these chakras any of these can be imbalanced dealing with PTSD depending on what the situation is to open up my heart chakra always a back bend of some sort bhujangasana cobra pose I would do that usually I do this posture when I'm doing Namaskara. A, sun salutation, A, or even B. Yeah, this is after lowering to the floor. So maybe you're doing chaturanga, you're just like from tabletop, just lowering your belly all the way to the floor and then peeling your heart off the floor and opening up your heart. And then a lot in, in a lot of my classes and in my own personal practice, I like to do cactus arms which I call the cactus arms, but basically make a touchdown shape <laughs> with my arms, squeeze my back muscles together, and I love how that feels. It's like a slight back bend, and I really feel like that is opening up my heart. I didn't even cover all the chakras. I know that there's some that I'm missing. The third eye chakra, which I'm sure imbalances could be there and could be related to mental illness. Typically, it's an experience in life that causes an imbalance in our body, mentally or physically. But there are things that we could do to bring that energy back to balance. Yoking, yoga is just one of those avenues. And you could really go into any yoga practice and just think about these body parts and really visualize energy in these body parts. And you'll probably use that body part at some point during the practice and really visualize energy in these areas. And that's going to be effective at 
<laughs> balancing your chakra. You could just think about intentionally balancing this area and then you might see some benefits in that. And that's amazing and really cool. And we're, we're really powerful beings. We can affect a lot in our lives and that's amazing we're exactly where we need to be right now in this moment and if you have the intuition to do something or the drive to do something maybe that is what you need to do maybe that's going to keep helping you live in this moment it's going to keep helping you cope with whatever it is that you're dealing with and that there's no shame in that. And as I was researching mental disorders and also as I've been reading my habits book, Atomic Habits, I've recognized we develop habits and we do certain actions to bring ourselves back to balance or to bring ourselves back to comfort. We're constantly trying to bring ourselves to homeostasis and I recognize that with my past self as I was dealing with with overdoing certain things I admitted a few episodes I had a little habit on me for a few years and I was doing that and at the time that was regulating my nervous system and it was helping me get through and I'm here till this day <laughs> sometimes we do need these habits these bad and air quote habits. Sometimes you need to escape because sometimes it's too much to deal with right now all in this moment. I think intuitively you'll know when it's time to come back. Hopefully, I don't know. When it comes to mental health, like I said, it's not one size fits all and I don't have the answers for everybody's issues. I'm my own problem and I'm my own solution. I'm the only person that can really solve my issues, but I can also talk about how I solve my issues and how I think about my issues. And I like to listen to people about how they solve their issues and how they think about their issues. Weekly wellness challenge. Last week, I challenged myself and I challenged you all to journal every day. I've been journaling every day. I asked you guys on Instagram at consistently Kaya, consistently spelled with a K, Kaya spelled K-Y-A-H. I asked you all on Instagram, what are some good journaling prompts? One that got me was if you found out that you only had a year left to live, how would your life change? And this, this question really messed me up. This week's weekly challenge to say an impactful prayer or affirmation every day. Saturday to Saturday, of course. Maybe I'll start today. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but an emphasis on impactful. I've been told say affirmations so many times before in my life. And it's like, okay, I'll say this little silly affirmation every day. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm cool, I'm smart, whatever. It doesn't really change my behavior or my attitude or anything at all. And sometimes it's good to say a nice, impactful prayer, mantra, affirmation to disrupt whatever destructive beliefs one may have about themselves or about their life or whatever. <laughs> There's so many affirmations and beliefs and ideas to just take on. Personally, I'm just going to stick to saying my same prayers every day. And I really believe there's power in saying the same prayer every day to really embed that into your belief system so it can really impact your life. Before I go, I wanted to close out with a quote. I found this quote as I was combing through my YTT notes for this episode, and it was from one of our readings. It stuck out to me. Yoga is self-transformation by Joel Kramer. Instead of using the body to get the posture, 
you use the posture to open the body. These postures, these mantras, these movements, these all these health practices, all these laws, they're made for me. I am not made for them. All of these practices are made to support my body and to help me. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Perfect Pana show on 88.1 FM WCRX. This will be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, of course, if you don't catch me on the radio. For this episode, there was a lot to cover. So on Spotify and Apple, I might upload a longer version and then also upload the radio edit. So I'll see if I can get this episode under 30 minutes because it was a lot. I'm sending love, light, and energy to everyone, everyone that is listening, even the ones that are not, I'm sending you love, light, and energy. May the light and darkness within me bow to the light and darkness within you. Namaste.